3: We're back on the Dr. Dolly Show. Thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven 877 1877 one docdali Well, have you been asked to write a review everywhere you go? Can you please write a review? Can you please leave a review? And you're getting annoyed by it. Some of you have actually reached out over the last few years. It was more so even before COVID on review anxiety and how your business, your career, is getting ruined by these reviews, many of them fake. And we have allowed this system to now pervade our careers, our you know longevity, our our jobs, our our ability to support our family based on reviews. You work for a restaurant and you need, you know, to do the extra shifts, you need the tips. And you work for a company that has bad reviews, and you're working for this company going, but they're a great company what I, what's going on here and you know so i've I've seen the gamut of things with reviews um as a physician. I have seen doctors who were fantastic with my patients get horrible reviews, and we learned early on that if you have a billing department that is um You know, on top of things, and they will, let's say, send somebody to collections after six months or a year, rather than somebody saying, I understand, I didn't pay the bill, they decide to just do bad reviews. Don't ever go to this dentist again or this doctor again or this chiropractor again or this pharmacy. They're horrible. But and, and this hospital and as a doctor, it was really frustrating because people would say this doctor has bad reviews. And I'm, I'm like, I've used this doctor. He's never hurt any of my patients. I've been using him for 20 years. Let me read the reviews. And they're generic They're And, you know, it's it's frightening. Because, you know, you have the choice of having a surgery done well. Somebody with good reviews, how do you know those good reviews weren't written by the mother and their friends? Where's the transparency? How do we know somebody went to that restaurant really ate there? How do we know? And so this review anxiety, I don't know what the answer is because I I use reviews when I decide to pick a restaurant. Do I always leave reviews? I try because I'm in the media and I want to help them out. But the truth of the matter is, is the average person that leaves a review is one who's mad. Now, if somebody had a good meal, and they keep going back to the restaurant, which is gift enough, do they repeatedly do reviews? You only get to review once. So if I have a favorite restaurant, I do a review... I don't keep reviewing, you know. And sometimes, if I'm happy, I forget to review. But people who get so mad, oh, they're like, I really did not want, you know, to pay extra for sauce or whatever. They will rip that 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 company to pieces. And those reviews, it's like, did you ever fail a test in school? It was impossible to get your grade point average back. You can never get a 4.0 if you got anything less than an A in a class. And it, it just it just completely takes down your ratings. And so, you know, um, I've seen, you know, exes write things. I've seen, um, you know, uh, uh, let's say somebody wants to do their partner in, ex boyfriend, ex girlfriend, ex employee. And it's just, it's impossible because you know, when you say, yeah, but they worked here. They're an ex-employee. yeah, And they said, no, but I ate there. I ate there and the food was bad. Here's the picture. And so people can say anything about you, but your livelihood is at stake. And so what do you do if it's your business? So there was a company that reached out to me a while back and they came up saying, "Look, I want you to see somebody put this review about you and we can help you." And it was a generic review. And I'm like, "Did you guys write this? Is that what you're doing? Bait and catching your you're writing crap about me just so I hire you?" Come on. Now, but what these companies do? Because I've asked physicians and I've asked business owners, what do these companies do that help you with your reviews? Because you don't want to buy and do anything unethical or what, you know, you know, to, to boost up. You know, basically, what they do is they come up with a system where every time you have a happy consumer, you ask them to review. And Yelp did a study; say people didn't like to be asked. They said that if you ask them to review, they were going to be more likely to leave a crappier review. So, I, you know, it, it, it's stupid. We have bigger fish to fry. If you have good quality food, if you have good quality service, if you give good medical care, if you do great handyman work, you know, I don't know, I'm starting to watch a show called Beef, and it shows you how you, know, you can imagine somebody and just mess with their... With their ratings and their, you know, and and it's it's frustrating. that uh, so I I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I wish it was a vacuum or or a a foolproof system that was all ethical. And so you know, I the health the health inspector ratings to me count. If a health inspector said, "Look, you know, there was a rat in this restaurant," okay, I need to know about that. But if a health inspector says, look, they got an A-plus rating, and my friends say they had a good meal, and I had a good meal, I don't read the reviews. But, you know, if you do have a business that's in trouble, you are going to need the customers that like you and can vouch for you, fill things out. Until this system goes away, you're going to need that, you know, and and uh, you know, or be in a business that doesn't necessarily, you know, where people really don't care about the Yelp reviews. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly, don't go away.
4: Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure some emergency food kits. There's a dozen to choose from that contain tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one food kit for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, heirloom seeds for your garden, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items will ship that same day. Time is short. Prepare today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com.
1: Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated.
0: I need answers to my tax questions. Where can I find them? Need answers? Try our interactive tax assistant on irs.gov forward slash ITA. Simply select your tax questions, provide your information, and it gives you answers. Also, check our help and resources page and try our online tax map. 5,000 tax topics from A to Z. Plus, you can access forms, publications, in a variety of formats.
3: Dr. Dahlia Show, thank you all for tuning in, 1-877-DOC-DALI, one docdali Big thanks to Genesis Communications Network for making the show happen. Big thanks to Jason, our producer, and big thanks to you all for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dr. Dahlia and on Facebook, the Dr. Dahlia Show. So if you got a call to house a migrant family, would you do it? 1877 Docadali, 1877 D O C D A L I. Why would you do it and why wouldn't you do it? According to a July story by WBUR, the state-run facilities were filled to capacity in Massachusetts. So the state started to host a family initiative to provide temporary room and board. This is according to the Western Journal. Geralda Gabot. Executive Director of the Immigrant Family Services Institute told the outlet, while the state is trying to figure out exactly what to do and how to open up our shelters, I think we as citizens, as members of our community, we also need to play a role. So in August, Massachusetts Governor Mara Healy and Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll requested Massachusetts families to consider housing migrants in their homes due to the lack of space. They said, if you have an extra room or suite in your home, please consider hosting a family. Safe housing and shelter is our most pressing need. Become a sponsor family. Step up if you're willing to have an additional family. Be a part of your family. Some families have stepped up. According to the Brookline News, a news outlet serving the Boston suburb of Brookline, Brookline Town Meeting members Jessica and Colleen Stokes read an email from another elected official in November about the migrant crisis, so they helped. After discussing their idea with their college-aged daughter and teenage son... They told state refugee officials they would like to take in a family short term. But they got called right away. On January 6th, the Stokes family got an urgent call. A Haitian family of four needed shelter immediately. They were spending four nights on the hard floor of Logan Airport, where many migrant families have taken shelter. Within a half hour of Stokes saying, yes, that sounds good. um, They, uh, I guess, were right there. 30 minutes at their doorstep. Now, they had fled their homeland's poverty. They went to Chile. Then they went to the United States. They had trekked through South and Central America, arrived in Eagle Pass, Texas. And so they had an extra room. They had a queen futon, two twin beds. And they said they were happy. But... Securing basic services for them have been an uphill battle. They can't communicate with the migrant family. Their migrant family has limited knowledge of French and Spanish, understandable. They're trying to coordinate donations to buy them goods, soap, food, clothes, medicine, school enrollment, work permit applications, interpreters. And the authorities said there's no obligation to keep the family. They're not getting, the host family is not getting any word on when the temporary help is not needed anymore. And they're happy to give them housing. The family is happy. But now what? And so... What I want to talk about is, is you know, we have this migrant crisis. We're not managing our border well. We have families coming here homeless, sleeping on the ground, not having medical care. What is the process like if you want to be a good Samaritan and take a family in? Is the family screened for infectious disease? Is everybody getting TB tested? Now, checked for MRSA, staff, lice. I'm not saying all refugees could have this, these, but if somebody is going to be in your home, COVID, is everybody screened medically? Then. If they were to be screened medically, what medical conditions do they need to be addressed? Let's say one of the kids has asthma. You have a dog. You have a cat. What if you make their asthma worse? Who takes that child to the doctor? Who takes that child to urgent care? What money is there for that? What if one of them has a food allergy, and they can't convey that? And espinho, tiene una alergias. No, legumbres, leche. If you can't, you know, ask the patient, or they can't comprehend that they could have a an allergic reaction. Then what do you do? And then what happens if it doesn't work out? What happens if there's a fight? Remember with the Ukrainian woman that ended up sleeping with the husband, and then the husband and the wife ended up becoming estranged. And I don't know if the Ukrainian woman ends up moving in or if the wife had to leave or uh, what. What happens then if something? And I'm not saying that always happens. I mean, you know, the average refugee is probably very grateful, and but. Giving them a room is nice, but how temporary is it? Is it just for 24 hours? If the state is getting more and more and more, their priority is who is on the street. So if we know that somebody has a nice, comfy housing that has, you know, four beds, why would they move that family? You know, And, you know, I want to do good. I think a lot of us want to do good. You know, but, you know, we learned, I learned very early on adopting rescue animals that you need to be responsible. You can't just watch the puppy bowl and go, that puppy is adorable. I will give that puppy a home. It'll be so much fun. Are you taking the puppy to the vet? Are you making sure the puppy's getting their medical, their regular medical visits? Are you feeding the puppy exactly what they need to? If the puppy throws up, are you playing with the puppy? Are you giving them attention and love? Yeah, you know, like, like this families, that the kids have to go to school. And so uh, you know, we we heard that in California something similar also was happening where people were saying, "Look, can you take home, can you take people?" What's the vetting? Well, are I understand a family less likely to be Paris, especially if they have kids, and you know. But that's you know, I can't handle a family member staying at my house more than a couple of days, let alone a stranger. Well, and we aren't really hearing the feedback from people who hosted. Was it a completely wonderful, nurturing, positive experience? And they got their 24 hours or 48 hours of respite at your house. You did so good. You know, you you and then, you know, the state moved them to a more permanent. Th- we aren't hearing. Is it that these individuals are left for weeks? I mean, this is being reported here from the Western Journal. And apparently they took them in January 6th. I, it sounds like the family's still there. They said in the meantime they are still with the Stokes family, and so some you know some news outlets have talked about how some individuals may feel guilted into taking a migrant family. That's a lot to ask. You know, when I was younger. And I had an apartment and people. I remember one of my friends who had gotten rejected from medical school and then apparently made the wait list and they got in and didn't have a place to live and school was just about to start. I'm like, just live in the living room. Just, I got, we got four walls and a roof. Whoever needs to stay with us, stay with us. But I learned throughout my years. That you need to be very, very careful, and you need to understand what you're committing to, because you cannot kick anybody out. If you at all think you are going to be in a position where you have to say, now leave, you now you're making out with my husband, or you're you know looking at my teenage daughter. Or, you know, you're bringing in, unfortunately, infectious disease that could affect us. You can't kick the family out on the street. They say that you could, you know, call somebody and hopefully that system is in place. But, you know, um, I, I think what has to happen is that it's be, it's very quiet when we hear states asking for citizens. to. I, I think there has to be a national... Uh, form of education on guys. If this is what we need from you, this is the process to a T. So don't fear being asked to take a migrant, you know, and don't fear some of the possibilities. But I just don't think we have a consistent process in place. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly. Say news update. A shooting on the subway in New York City sent 5 people to the hospital and killed one. Police responded finding 6 people shot, 4 men and 2 women between the ages of 14 and 71. One man who was 34 died. The other victims had non-life-threatening injuries. That shooter has not been caught. The Senate passed a 95.3 billion dollar foreign aid bill with assistance for Ukraine and Israel. However, it's at a showdown with house speaker mike johnson who thinks that there shouldn't be more aid to ukraine the judge overseeing the georgia election subversion case involving donald trump and multiple co-defendants has raised the possibility of disqualifying the district attorney responsible for bringing the case because she had a personal relationship with the special prosecutor Corey myers usa news let me tell you
7: a story about bill bill was a normal guy in his 50s He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain, until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now to get away and get treatment. 800-296-1327. 800-296-1327. 800-296-1327. Call right now. Help is standing by. 800-296-1327.
3: One eight seven seven doc dali one Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Dr. Dahlia and on Facebook, the Dr. Dahlia Show. So one thing that we are perceiving to have a rise in is sexless marriages. And it's not an easy statistic for us to share because We don't have a lot of couples being honest. The average couple says, oh, yeah, we're having sex all the time. And people keep it really quiet that they're in a marriage where they don't really have sex often, hardly at all, some of them none at all. Now, I don't know if this is something new. I am guessing that this is something that might have, you know, always existed i remember my mom telling me how i think her grandparents would sleep in separate bedrooms and she didn't know why but she thought it's because they didn't love each other and so i remember thinking to myself well, wow in the olden days you might have been forced to marry somebody you didn't want to so maybe they didn't want to share the same bed my mom and dad always shared a bed my husband and I always shared a bed But then I had a lot of friends who talked about how when their spouse snores or their spouse is doing a different shift than them and waking them up, that they sleep at different times. They they sleep in different rooms. And I forget if it was Cameron Diaz or somebody, you know, when, when a celebrity said, oh, I think it's okay to have separate beds when you sleep. You know, it, people start to look at it as, oh, all right, so then it's okay. I had surgery, so I had to sleep in the downstairs bedroom because I couldn't. I mean, I could go upstairs, but I noticed I I was getting better sleep. Yeah, husband was snoring, the cats and dogs jumping on the bed, jumping all over my surgical sites. So I'm like, oh, okay. Now, this isn't that best. So when I had my hernia repair, I slept a little longer downstairs. I noticed I was getting better sleep. But when I got my hysterectomy, I, I maybe slept the first night downstairs. I hated it. I wanted to be next to hubby. Now, but what about the sexless part? You know, why does the sex change? Now, for some, it doesn't. I talked to couples were, wow, they're still a couple times a week and they've been together for decades. Good for them. I think that's fantastic. But very commonly sex drive can drop. It could drop because you, know, you don't look the way you used to. <laughs> hey, it's not new. It's not exciting. It doesn't look like the way in the movies. There's a lot of history between you two. Now, well, Maybe it's because our drives drop, uh, you know, for, from an evolutionary standpoint. You know, we're our most fertile when we're younger. And so females notoriously could have a significant drop in sex drive because the body doesn't want them getting pregnant. There's higher risk to the fetus and to them if they get pregnant. So in evolution, many oftentimes many women will have severe drops in their sex drive, even when they're not menopausal. And it's nature's way of protecting the mom and protecting the baby. And so now you're like, but I wanted it three times a day just 10 years ago. And now I could barely want it three times a month. Well, nope, that's not that unusual. Some individuals are like, I could go forever fine you have many individuals that enjoy sex when it's by themselves they don't enjoy sex with somebody else they have more fun by themselves you have some individuals having erectile dysfunction and they don't want to deal with the psychology of that where they can't perform where somebody's like are you done already and so there's a lot of different issues happening in the bedroom that nobody wants to talk about, they're embarrassed about. There are some individuals who say, look, I could get my sex drive up if I could watch porn. But my spouse would just flip if porn was a part of their repertoire. I told my husband, I don't care. He wants to look at porn, whatever. I, I don't mind. But there are other families where barely, no, that's not allowed. Marital aids aren't allowed, and I get some people might have religious obligations or you know and and but you know a sexist marriage you know can can be an awful thing if both people don't want that, or one person doesn't want that. you don't want to cheat on your spouse, but you want love, you want affection and then the person who is struggling you don't want them to you know force them you know force themselves to do it and be miserable because that definitely can ruin the mood. And so therapists or doctors like I've had to have to have honest conversations with individuals. You know, so when somebody says, "Well, my sex drive's completely dropped." And I say, "Well, if you saw, you know, younger Brad Pitt or Denzel Washington or George Clooney or whatever, would they turn you on? Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Your husband. "Eh." Okay, well, then that might be psychological. Is it that you don't have confidence? You might say, oh, yeah, I would definitely go to bed with Jimmy Garoppolo. But then when time came up and you had to take off your clothes, you wouldn't do it. You don't have confidence in yourself. You don't like your body. Now, when we're younger, we love our bodies. We don't care. But when you're older, you're like, "Uh, I don't want anybody to see this. Now, they, some people don't understand. There's so many different reasons why somebody might not want to engage in sex. Sometimes people just prefer to sleep. Sometimes they might just want to cuddle. And being intimate doesn't always have to be about the sex. So the, the take-home message to this is, If you are in a sexist marriage, and you both are happy with that, 100% happy, it's not as rare and taboo as you would think. Where it might be a problem is when one of the spouses doesn't want it to be a sexist marriage. And then we suggest talking to somebody, talking to a counselor to find out what's going on. What could help? Is it a gynecological issue? Is it an erectile dysfunction issue? Does it hurt? Is it uncomfortable? Now, many people don't want to go there because they don't want the therapist to reveal that they're not in love with their spouse anymore. That, That might have to be, though, addressed. Rather than two people living in separate parts of the house as roommates... If that's not what you want, you know, somebody's got to bring it up sometime. But sadly, it's what we see these days where people got married for the wrong reasons. And now they're just kind of forcing themselves to get through it. But then on the other end, I've seen people leave for the sex, leave for the passion. And then that relationship falls apart and they're alone. And they would have rather had their friend, their partner for life, who they're not sleeping with, than having had that two-month fling, and it's over and gone. So these are things you really need to have honest conversations about with your doctor, with yourselves, with each other. Now, couples can still have a lot of love and still enjoy Valentine's Day, can have a lot of intimacy without doing the twice on Sunday, three times a day during the week sex. But if one of you is unhappy, you gotta address that. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly.
0: created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices. Our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium cbd by simply paying shipping and handling at gcnfreecbd.com that's gcnfreecbd.com again gcnfreecbd.com offered by veterans vitality premium cbd fantasy football season is coming but
3: sadly too many of you are taking the bench while the country takes part in one of the most exciting and lucrative industries out there don't know how to play huh well huddle up and listen sports analyst paul kalikas and i have written a fantasy football pocket guide for beginners This book walks you through the basics and shows you how simple and lucrative joining and creating a fantasy football team can be. Read our Fantasy Football Pocket Guide for Beginners found on Amazon or follow the links on Twitter and Facebook. That's Fantasy Football Pocket Guide for Beginners. It's time you get into the action. Dr. Dahlia here. Are you tired, gaining weight, burned out, stressed out? Well, how's your dopamine doing? Not sure?
10: The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100, com.
6: I had no idea it would destroy my life, but before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com.
10: February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life
3: with extend. We are back on the Doctor Dolly show. Thank you all for tuning in. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly. One eight seven seven D O C D A L I. So after the Super Bowl, you guys turned on the news and you heard that somebody died of Alaska pox, and that we have a case of the bubonic plague. <laughs> You're like, okay, what the hell just happened? All I did was tune out the news so I could be watching football, and now we got all these other you know, diseases coming back here. And Alaska Pox, I I never heard of Alaska Pox until yesterday. I'm honest with you. But Alaska Pox was identified back in 2015. We just didn't hear a lot about that. So let me tell you what's going on with the Alaska Pox. It is real. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. And, And... we, we do have a case of bubonic plague. We have spoken about the plague before on the show, but we'll talk about it again. So Alaska pox, we'll start off with first. Um, I think they're going to change the name. You know how they changed monkey pox to M and they think chickens are probably getting upset for being called chicken pox. So while they're working on changing those names, they really don't want to have an illness named after a state. Alaska pox, but we use that as a descriptor to let people know where it originated and what state might be dealing with it. So apparently there was a gentleman, I think he was elderly, who had died last month of this, where he first got symptoms in the fall. I think he had a rash. I think he had arm pain and He wasn't able to get a diagnosis. Nobody knew what he had. He ended up getting hospitalized. He had a weakened immune system. And sadly, by the time it got figured out it was Alaska pox, not that we have real treatment for it. We're We're totally died. Now, according to the Alaska Department of Health, Alaska pox, similar to M-pox, it's classified under the orthopoxvirus genius family poxviridae. It's a zoonotic illness, meaning it originates in animals, just like smallpox, M-pox. And so rather than M-pox, where it was squirrels and rodents and other things that it might have come from, the uh, Alaska pox... They fear they feel had come from red backed voles and shrews. So, how do you get Alaska pox? Well, if you get exposed to somebody with it, touch their sore, or if you are in touch with an animal that either bit it, scratched it, or had close contact with it, you could get it. So, Alaska pox, we've known about since 2015. It was first identified in Fairbanks, Alaska. Since then, six additional cases have been reported in the state. So, you will get these pox, these blisters or pustules. There might be accompanying erythema, joint pain, body aches, then swollen lymph nodes. Then you could get also fever fatigue. But we don't have a lot of details because we don't have a lot of case studies or patients. And as I said, you could be contagious. So what do we do if somebody has Alaska pox? If they have Alaska pox, then what we do is we uh, we don't remove them from Alaska, okay? (laughs) Alaska's beautiful. I, I, I'd say the fresh air would help. But we'll do supportive measures. Uh, if we think they have a secondary infection, if we think they're going into sepsis, we're going to do things to help you know protect them from, from dying. And I'm wondering, we don't have, again, a case reports or, or a lot of studies that we could access, but my guess is they might be using the MPOX treatment, which came from the smallpox treatment. We don't have a vaccine for Alaska Pox, but if they do find that this could be an issue, they might look at what we've been using for the MPOX vaccine, which came from the smallpox vaccine. So Alaska Pox, please do not fear going to Alaska. I love Alaska. I can't wait and try to get our friends to go. I think we would have a fantastic time going. Um, I love Alaska. I've been there multiple times. I know we used to do the Dr. Dahlia show, Radio Cruise, so maybe we'll do something like that, but right now uh it's rare but yes it is a thing nobody's aligned all right so now bubonic plague millions of people died in europe in the 1300s i think there was another huge huge uh great it was called the black death in the 1300s and then the great plague in the 1600s millions of people died and i think the you know ring around the rosy pocket full of posy Ashes, ashes, they all fall down. That song, I believe, came from the Black Death plague because they would burn the victims after they died, cremate them, so that it wouldn't spread. They didn't understand a lot about infectious disease, but they knew that the plague was very easily, you know. Uh, uh, Infectious. So, an Oregon resident has tested positive for the plague. This is the first case in nearly a decade. Now, the CDC has said we get under 10 cases on average a year, but the last confirmed U.S. case we're being told was back in 2015. We don't believe the person has died. We don't have a prognosis on the Oregon resident, but close contacts have been identified and what we understand he's been treated. I think he's from uh, Deschutes County. Again, they think it was a cat. (laughs) So this Alaska pox might have gotten to a cat. This bubonic plague might have come from a cat. Cats are all up into everything. They'll sniff poo-poo, they'll play with rodents, so it's easier for them to get exposed to the bacteria that could cause the plague. Back in 2019, there were three cats in Wyoming that tested positive for the plague. No humans at the time were affected, but I remember we were a little worried about, wow, you have these random cats getting it, cats could give it to other individuals. Um, so the plague is caused by bacteria called Yersinia pestis and it usually, it more commonly affects the southwestern states and the more mountain in the west, but it can be anywhere. In fact, there's thousands of cases that happen across the globe. And so you get the plague by being bit by a flea, who or scratched by a cat or pneumonic plague? The cat might be breathing it on you. One woman, I think she was in Lake Tahoe decades ago. Her cat wasn't feeling good, and the cat was on her chest, and she's like, "Oh, baby kitty, baby kitty," while the cat's coughing and vomiting, and then gave it to her, and she ends up dying. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I love my cats, but they they will give you a killer bacteria. They'll—they'll they'll, trust me. They don't care. So cat scratches from domesticated cats that have been infected can also be a form of transmission. So if you also have direct contact with infected bodily fluids, it could spread. Pneumonic plague is more respiratory, so that would be from respiratory droplet or cough. So there's three types. you got the bubonic plague that will affect the lymph nodes. That's why we call them bubonic. The lymph nodes will swell. We call them buboes under the arm and the neck called buboes, they used to call them. So bubo uh, would be the bubonic plague. Pneumonic plague is where it infects the lungs and then may spread person-to-person respiratory droplet transmission. And then septicemic plague is when either goes into the bloodstream or it just goes directly to the bloodstream. So symptoms of plague are fever, chills, body aches, weakness, headache. You look like you have COVID. But like I said, with bubonic plague, you might get these real big buboes or big swollen glands. And so any medical professional needs to be aware that it might not be mono or, you know, just a, I guess, you know, a random lymph node swelling. you have to also maybe culture. A lot of people are getting treated over the phone for big swollen lymph glands. You know, is it mono? Is it a bacterial infection? Is it Yersinia pestis? So, um, you know, I personally like tests and cultures being done, because I think the sooner we know, the better. But we treat it with antibiotics. Ciprofloxacin, doxycycline, streptomycin, gentomycin. We might have to give IV fluids, oxygen, especially with the pneumonic plague. So, To avoid the plague, flea control, obviously. There's insect repellent. Making sure your animals, if they're sick, get checked out. Don't think just because your cat is coughing they have COVID. And keep the rodents and the mice away. Now, I, I never understood during Tom and Jerry why in the cartoon the women would scream and jump on a chair. And I remember asking my mom, what's the big deal? Jerry's a cute little thing. She's like, well, you know, mice and rodents were found to carry disease. Don't let a mice or a mouse run around your house. One eight seven seven Doc Dolly, don't go away.